You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 77. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and here we come holidays. And the semester is pretty much over for everyone. I think I have read about some places still taking some tests to finish up this week, but, but definitely it is done. We are moving into 2021 in about two and a half weeks. And oh boy, oh boy, let's hope 21 isn't as crazy as 20. I will tell you this, it's uh, the bar is set pretty high for there for people to be like, man, this is a crazy year. Uh, crazier than 2020? Oh, shit, man. No, 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 don't. don't even go there, man. 2020 was wild. <laughs> uh, I know I get, I have listeners in over 75 countries, so uh, I know that a lot of the things I talk about are not a lot. All of them are from my experiences and my model of the world here being, you know, who I am in the United States. But I get messages and I hear around and I understand y'all have been having it pretty crazy too. And so I just really want to applaud everyone for pers- pushing through and persevering with their college education in what has really just been a remarkably difficult year for everyone. Um, and I can only imagine, you know, attempting the transition from high school into college or from college into the quote unquote real world or just from year to year and literally having to adopt a whole new way of learning that we're not familiar with because of the COVID and having to reestablish as an online student. Uh, I know I'm very kinesthetic. I like to be in class. I like to be touching the paper. I like to be near the teacher. I like to have the other students around me, the murmuring and the sights and the sounds. I mean, this stuff, it, it is part of the education. And so I, I applaud all of you for what you've done to get to this point. And certainly, you know, I can only hope that it's much, much better. Um, obviously, we're not going to start off 2021 being exactly like we would like it. In uh, most, most of the cases, many places are seeing an uptick. But nonetheless, um, you know, keep pushing through, keep persevering. The lessons you're learning about yourself and your ability to handle stressors is going to prove insanely valuable as you age and you get out there and you start to ask yourself, can you handle the ebbs and flows? And that's the beauty about life is that you always have this opportunity to look back and say, man, if I'd only known then what I know now. And so you are literally living in a world where one day you're going to wish you could come back and tell yourself a better way to live, a better way to be a better way to behave or act or feel. It is happening. And regardless, if you think you're you're just doing, you're crushing it and you're doing a great job, there will be a time where you will be able to look back at some period that's happening generally right about now and say, man, I wish I had done it better. <laughs> and that got me thinking, what are some things I wish I could go back and tell myself? Now, is this a definitive list that I have created? Not necessarily. But are these the things that were 
that I've been experiencing over the last year that I think, wow, you know, this is some stuff that I've learned in my NLP. This is some stuff I've taught in NLP, um, you know, neuro-linguistic programming of which I'm a master trainer, you know, and as I start to think about ways I can teach NLP to the college success habits community, uh, all these different teachings that I've gone through and that I've given start to pop up. And it makes me think, it's like, huh, man, I wish I'd have known all this NLP stuff when I was 18. And then I think, you know what? There's just some basic stuff that I wish I'd have known at 18, you know? And I honestly, I carried it on because I didn't really figure out most of this stuff until I was in my 30s. And hell, I'd say at least half of them, not until I was sober in my 40s. So I know when people bring up what they, what you know now versus what you know then, oh, whatever, old man, yelling at the squirrels from your porch and your underwear and robe, shut the hell up and just you get out of my face. <laughs> Is what you guys think? I don't know. I think if you're listening to this show, you've moved beyond the passe um, thought processes you have you would have about older people, and you start to realize that there really is no difference. I mean, you're there, you know, well, people in the forties will look back at people in the twenties and say, you don't know shit. And people in their twenties will be like, you don't got the energy to do nothing. <laughs> Both are fallacies, right? I know people in the, in their, in their forties with three kids who act like they're in their sixties. You know, meanwhile, I, you know, I can still run a mile in under seven minutes if I push myself to do it. And I still listen to college music radio stations. So, what keeps people young? It's the attitude. It's just the general belief that age isn't nothing but a number, and eventually you're going to get older. And then one day you can say, man, I wish I'd have known then what I know now. <laughs> so since you're all of the higher level of thinking, where life is a journey that you learn from everybody you come across, right? Uh, a wise man and a fool come, ac- come upon each other on a path who learns more. Well, it's obviously the wise man because the fool never listens. And so 10 things I would like to tell my younger self. And again, this is not a definitive list, but this is just some stuff to to make your brain go, hmm, some of this you might have heard before, but you haven't heard it from me. So we're going to talk about it from my point of view, because that's what I can speak from, my point of view. Number one, number one, I feel like uh, maybe I should count down from 10. No, because they're not in any order. They're not really in any order. Sort of, kind of. The world owes me nothing. Man, I'll tell you what. I thought because my mom got Crohn's when I was eight and we moved away from my family when I was four and my parents got divorced when I was 17, right at my, like, literally seven days after my high school graduation, I thought the world owed me something. But you know what? The world don't give a damn. The world doesn't give a damn. You could say, well, my mom got sick and my cat died. My dog got run over by a car and aliens abducted me and probed me. And I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, these 87 things happened to me. (laughs) People, humans are meaning-making machines. And if they think that you're trying to make your life mean that it was more difficult than theirs, I can assure you they will come up with 75 examples for why it wasn't, why their life was worse. And frankly, and this is something I used to tell, you know, myself when my parents got divorced, or I would tell my alcoholic friends who got sober, or even my gay friends who came out of the closet. I was like, okay, great. You came out. Great. You got sober. Great. Your parents divorced. 
what are you going to do next? What else are you going to use to define you? Right? Like, for a lot of people, it's super traumatic to be closeted homosexual in high school or middle school or whenever you discovered this. I know. I've had lots of friends come out, and they've told me about it, and I've either noticed it in them before or was blown away. It didn't matter. Either way, I accepted them. Hey, man, you be you. Right? That was how I was raised, in a UBU kind of mentality. But still, there's a lot of trauma that went through that. But you can't keep hanging your hat on that, saying, well, hey, I came out, now the world owes me for all the pain and suffering I had throughout my childhood. It doesn't work that way. The world doesn't care. The world doesn't care that you're raised by alcoholic parents, or the world doesn't care that you're dropped off at an orphanage, or the world doesn't care that you know somebody close to you died and therefore you got into alcohol and drugs because you couldn't cope with the suffering. The world doesn't care. People might, but the world in general will not. It will expect you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it together and figure out a way to do something with yourself. The world doesn't owe you anything. So you should keep in mind to be yourself. Step out of whatever you've convinced yourself the world wants to see from you and be who you want to be. Because the world doesn't owe you anything and therefore you don't owe the world anything. There, it, the world, oh, great, you stayed closeted for 20 years and had to deal with the, the suffering of that, whatever. Man, deal with it and get, your, get this damn report in on time or you know, stop drinking so damn much. The world doesn't care. So be you and let the world deal with that version of you. But don't hold you back thinking that the world's going to somehow love you more for the suffering you put yourself through. The world owes you nothing. So you be you. And let the world deal with that version. And at least you won't be suffering on the back end because you'll at least be true to who you really are. You might get disowned by your parents. Your friends might let you go. I'm sorry if that's happened. I promise you it does get better. I promise you, you will find your tribe. Those people, those friends, those family members kicking you to the side because of who you are, who you were born to be, I can assure you this. They're opening up space for your true friends and your true family to be energetically pulled towards you. I don't know how this, this word, the world owes you nothing, turned in, you know, into like this sort of inspirational pep talk for, the, for anyone who's gay who's trying to work through that. But a lot of suicide, a lot of depression comes from sexuality issues. And I know I have a lot of listeners in that community, in the LGBTQ community, right? But this could be racism. This could be sexism. This could be uh, a childhood abuse or worse, you know, sexual assault. Right? Let's work through that trauma. Let's release that. And then you go out in the world and you be this amazing version of yourself. Because if you think, because trauma happened to you, that the world owes you something, I can assure you, you're in for a rude awakening. People might care, but the world in general will not. Number two thing I wish that I'd known. I don't know everything, and I will never know everything. I still hang my hat on my brightness, my intelligence, and I still try to learn as much as possible. And I used to think that I knew it all. And I'll go back and listen to some audio recordings of who I was just a few years ago, and I'm like, oh my God, this guy, he's so up his own ass. I have no doubt I'll look back two years from now and think, man, that guy was up his own ass. So I know I was up my own ass when I was 18. I know I was a dick. I know I told my mom some mean stuff. 
I know I talked back to my teachers. I know I talked down to, to strangers and friends. I know I thought I knew it all. You can't possibly know it all. And this feeds great into the next one, is that everyone is entitled to their own point of view, their own model of the world, meaning we all have our own experiences that create who we are. We all have our own experiences that have shaped us, right? Our opinions, our beliefs, our values, our memories, our experiences, all of these things create who we are. You cannot possibly know every person's opinion, belief, value, memory, or experience. You can't possibly have experienced every experience or read every book or know every little nuance of every little subject. So when somebody else has a different point of view, has a different way of seeing the world, that's good. That's what the world is made of, other kinds of people. So going back to number two, thinking that you know everything you don't even really know your best friend. So how can you possibly know everything? Number four, relationships don't define my worth. I used to date women specifically who were drop-dead gorgeous and weren't bringing a whole lot more to the table past that. That was really what I did from 18 to 21. And in many ways, moving on into my 20s, where I started to mature myself in the, in the realm of my dating relationships and the women I held close to me, was my ability to start to look beyond just the perceived beauty and start really looking at what they were bringing to the table as far as brains and wit and humor, right? Potential to become an amazing person. I still chose unwisely many times, but I stopped hanging my hat on the self-worth I got from the kind of women my friends saw me dating. I'm not saying that you necessarily need to go out there and, you know, and, and you know, fish from the bottom of the barrel or pick someone who's wildly different from you to release your ego around it. But be a little bit more open-minded to someone who walks up to you who isn't your usual type. Because for a lot of us, when we find ourselves circling back into the same kind of negative or toxic relationships, it's because we're going after a certain type. And it's not just the looks, it's the personality. The mama's boy or the daddy's girl or the, or the damaged or the bruised or the broken or the overbearing or the manipulative or the jealous. There's a certain type that we're attracted to, often based off of who our primary caregiver was. That doesn't mean that if you were a woman that you were necessarily uh, were a daddy's girl or if you're a boy, you're a mama's boy. If your grandma was the primary person who took care of you as a child, you're going to be modeling a lot of your, your behaviors and your relationships off of that. So be mindful of that. And if there are aspects of your parents' relationships you openly didn't enjoy, then start to recognize that in yourself. Your relationships don't define your worth, but they definitely can end up defining your life. The wrong kind of partner can send you down a path that you will wake up upon one day and say, how in the hell did I get here? All because you chose unwisely then and paid for the price of it throughout the journey forward. Understand that it does not matter what your friends or anyone else think of the person you're with. You're the one who spends that time alone with them. You're the one who is asking them for support. You're the one who's, who's celebrating your successes and crying through your failures with them. They do not define your worth, 
but they can certainly do a great deal to increase your positive experiences in life. They don't make you more valuable, but they can definitely make life more enjoyable. Number five, affection and love are not tools of war. Do not wield your affection and love around as a weapon. Do not withhold certain things because you are secretly bitter or angry at someone. Have the wherewithal, have the balls, have the guts to tell someone when you're disappointed or have the guts to tell someone when things aren't going the way that you would prefer. Have the ability to have the tough conversations. But do not use sex as a weapon or money as a weapon or food as a weapon or any of that stuff. Who in the hell treats their loved ones that way? There's a... Terry Crews said this really, um, really cool quote. If you guys know who Terry Crews, the actor is, he said this really cool quote in the daily show sometime. I remember watching it and, uh, it basically, you know, it went like this. It is impossible to love someone and control them at the same time. You remember that whenever you're starting to use affection and love as tools of war, you cannot love someone and control them at the same time. Allow them to be free and then come home and share their life experiences with you. Number five, friends are the people who accept you for you. If you have to alter and change the way you behave in order to be accepted by people, then they are either not really your friends or you are not even trying to really be vulnerable and be yourself around them. Just be you. You don't even really know if they enjoy this version of you that you're presenting them. They might just be like, well, yeah, I mean, he seems cool and, you know, he comes over a lot and, you know, 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 in high school and college, especially college, it's just easier to make friends with lots of people because you generally are either going to class or you're going to work or you're drinking and having a good time. When you leave school, you'll immediately find out the friendships that you're really willing to work on. I'm trying to reestablish a lot of my old friendships because my addictions took them away. But when I look back at it, did they ever really know me? Did I even know me? I certainly know the version of me now. Will they like this version of me now? Do I fucking care if they like this version of me now? I'm 44 years old. I can assure you the joy of all joys that will come from getting older is realizing you do not give a damn about what people think about you. One, you realize no one was really paying that much attention to you to begin with because they were all up their own tuckish thinking about how people were perceiving them, right? You're all worried that they're judging you when they're over here in their heads worrying that you're judging them. And two, by the time you get older, you certainly have gone through enough friends that you realize that the ones who stick around don't really give a damn about any of that negative stuff, they're there to support you. And the people who were actually judging you were so busy with their own empty lives, not paying attention to their own personal growth and their development, spending so much time judging everybody around them that they've dropped out of your life and you don't even care what they think of you anymore. Give me an unlike or a frowny face or a thumbs down on social media. I don't give a damn. Here's a little block, 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 and an unfollow, follow, follow. Unfollow, unfollow, blockity, block, block, block. Who cares? This perceived idea that you're popular because 87,000 people like your picture on Instagram is fake. It's false. It's not real. 
What's real are those people who come over and actually talk to you about your trip and actually stand there and help you through the tough times and the trials and tribulations. In a month, and nobody going to remember that you got 8,700 likes on your picture of freaking espresso next to a croissant at Starbucks. People might go through and flip through and be like, oh, wow, look at all those likes this person got. I bet you they paid for them. You could have legitimate followers on Instagram and people would still think you just paid for all that stuff. No one cares and those who do are ridiculous and the ones who would mildly be jealous of what you've accomplished will justify what you're accomplishing by lying to themselves about how you're accomplishing it. Friends are people who accept you for you. I also would have told myself, number seven, how I am drinking is going to change everything about my life. I honestly thought I could binge drink my way through college, binge drink my way through my 20s, binge drink my way through my 30s, do a, do a myriad of drugs, and still think that I was going to come out of it able to stop anytime I wanted, able to manage the monster and the beast inside of me, able to be present with my friends and be present in my relationships and you know advance my career and have a healthy body and have all of this stuff. I honestly, God, thought I was going to be able to do that. But the habits I put myself through when I was drinking in my 20s set down a foundation that it took me into my 40s when I finally got sober to manage my way through. I can assure you, if you are out there drinking yourself into a bloody freaking stupor all the time, and you think you're just going to move away from college, get a real job, get a real apartment, get a real relationship, get a real mortgage, get a real car payment, and you're going to snap your fingers and it's all going to be over and it's all going to be okay. You're lying to yourself. The habits you are creating around alcohol and drugs in college will follow you. If you are the aberration, if you are the anomaly who's able to go from drinking four or five times a day to going out into the world and not finding yourself at happy hour four or five times a week, then congratulations. You are literally the the blue piece of sand in an ever beige sand world. For the rest of us out here in in, in the more uh, mainstream land, you are going to have to deal with the way you've been drinking for some time. And if you have been blessed to come out of college without a poor relationship with alcohol, then be mindful of those people around you who have a poor relationship with alcohol and help them when you see them needing help. Number eight, learn to cook and eat like an adult. I will tell you what, my mom taught me to cook to a certain extent in high school to prepare me so I wouldn't get married young. She used to tell me, I don't want you to have to get married because you're hungry or dirty. So I'm going to teach you how to, to wash yourself, wash your clothes, and cook your own meals. And thank God she did. Because it kept me out of a lot of bad relationships. It kept me from getting married at a young age just so I would have someone to help me with basic house cleaning, cooking, chore necessities. I know you might think it's ridiculous, but I can assure you, I have watched many a man, many a woman fall into the, well, this is, you know, went to college, met them, got out, we were dating for a few years, just sort of fall into this rut of what the, of what the American dream is supposed to be without actually stepping back and saying, is this the best possible partner for me? Learn to cook for yourself. Learn to clean for yourself. Learn to balance your own budget. Learn how to save. Hell, let's throw that on top of this. Learn, not only learn to cook and eat like an adult, learn to save like an adult. 
Go out and get yourself a Roth IRA in your 20s so you can be a millionaire in your 60s. I'm still trying to figure out how to save for my retirement, and I'm 44. You don't want to be in this position. This is definitely one of those do-as-I-say-not-as-I-did kind of conversations. Number nine, learn to lose. You are not a victim when you lose. You are learning football game. When the players leave the field, they don't feel like they were victimized because they lost. They've definitely learned how not to win. They definitely learned how not to play if they do want to be victors. Losing doesn't mean you're a victim. This shows you that you need to prepare a better way, a different way. If you're playing in a game where you feel like the other the other team, the other person had nepotism or a stacked deck that was going to help them out, then find a new table to play at. There will be those experiences in life where you go up against someone who does have nepotism on their side or does have that Ivy League education. Or maybe you're the Ivy League education and you go up against somebody who can somehow pull one over on even that. Learn to lose. Learn to lose. No one likes a poor sport. And conversely, learn to win too. You don't need to sit there and dance on their grave. Slap them on the back, say, good job, better luck next time. And be a congenial winner. Just like you want to be a congenial loser. Right? Don't get... Don't start losing your mind and spreading a na- bunch of nasty rumors when somebody beats you, somebody gets a promotion, somebody gets the president over you, somebody wins something that you wish you'd have won. Like That's not the way you behave. And just because you see other adults in power positions in this world behaving that way does not make it acceptable for you. It actually makes it your responsibility to better this world by not being the douche like they are. Step up. Be the best version of yourself. Learn to win. Learn to lose. You're, you're neither the victim. Hell, you're not even really the victor when you do win. You just take on that responsibility. Do it best, your, best to your ability. But you don't got to rub everybody else's nose in it. Because one day you might literally turn around and actually need their help. And I'll tell you what. If you danced on somebody else's grave because you beat them, and then all of a sudden you turn around needing their help, They are not going to give it to you. And number 10, I am good enough. I was so afraid of being judged that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't bright enough, that I wasn't tall enough, I wasn't fast enough, I wasn't good looking enough, I wasn't all of these things, that I spent an inordinate amount of my time trying to posture myself as something that I wasn't. Or I was and couldn't see it in myself. I am good enough. You are good good enough. You are good enough to have money. You are good enough to have a good job. You are good enough to have an amazing relationship. You are good enough to have freedom. You are good enough to have desires and aspirations and wants. You are good enough to succeed. You are good enough to have opportunity and you are definitely good enough to have potential. If you allow other people's way of looking at you or judging you or judging others to interfere with how you see you in the mirror, you're costing yourself everything. Everything. 
We are going to have bad things happen to us as humans. We're going to have loved ones die. We're going to have jobs taken away from us. We're going to have our living situation or our financial situation rocked to its core. There will be enough negative things that will happen to us just through the act of living. Why add more onto it? Why then also take on the burden of everybody else's judgment or everybody else's pointing or everybody else's blah, 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 or everybody else's baggage? Why let somebody else's limitations tell you what your limitations are? Everybody has their own way of perceiving the world. We talked about this last week in Delete, Distort, Generalize, right? We talked about this in in episode 76. Everybody has their own way of experiencing the world. Don't let their experience of the world change the way you're experiencing the world. You are good enough. You are worthy. And if you want to know more ways to make your mind better around that, then I want you to go out there and I want you to hit me up on social media at Jesse Mogul, at From Sobriety to Recovery, or email me at NLPJesse. NLP Jesse, and let me know where you're suffering, where you're having issues. I teach college students how to use NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, to change their brain so that they think better, that they understand themselves better. It is the lost owner's manual of the mind. This, amongst anything, bonus number 11, if I could go back and tell myself something, it would be learn NLP. Oh my goodness. We had, one. I'll leave you on this, one of my peers, um, he's, a, he's a master practitioner as well. He brought his daughter, 18-year-old daughter, to learn NLP. And I will tell you what, we gushed over her. The idea of being able to learn NLP at that age and to understand how the mind works and how to control it and how to move through negative and how to embrace the positive, OMG, McGee. I wish, I wish. Of all the things that would have made this list completely different, learning NLP in high school or college would have changed everything. It will only change everything. Email me at NLP Jesse, and I will set up a clarity call with you, and we will discuss how you could use NLP to change your life. I can teach it over Zoom. I'm having a big practitioner's certification course in the spring. It would be an honor to have you there. You take care of yourself. Be amazing. I will talk to you again next week. Enjoy yourself being home for the holidays or just continue being home for the holidays like you have been since March. (laughs) Much love, everybody. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy. Release and flow. See you next week. Bye-bye.